Welcome to an RSL soapbox slash maybe off the crossbar slash all of the other soapbox podcasts combined to make uh, one round table. Uh, it's a single we, entity podcast. Oh, it is. It's a great point. Uh, I'm joined today. You've heard him just now by Ian, joined by Colin, the pod doctor, and by Trevor, one of the three uh, slightly irregular hosts of Off the Crossbar. You can all say hi now. Hello. Hello, Matt. Hello. And and we're also joined by Matt. It's true. I'm Matt. Our lovely friend, Matt. Yeah. Matt, who is omnipresent. Except for when he's not. That's why I have such a booming voice. (laughs) Trevor, is your cat causing trouble? I'm causing trouble. I'm trying to like move my phone and I just knock everything off of whatever. Where's 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 the professionalism that I expect when joining a soapbox slash off the crossbar slash uh single entity podcast i don't know where you got the idea that there was professionalism involved we're very professional (laughs) i'm not getting paid enough for this oh no (laughs) wait you're getting paid (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) all right well uh on on that pleasant note let's uh kick this round table off uh i wanted to to bring us together uh a little peek behind the curtain. We're recording two episodes today. Uh, it was originally going to be three, but uh, sense was talked into me. And we're going to talk about David Ochoa, and we're going to talk about the Real Salt Lake roster. And it's going to be just a blast, as you'd expect. Um, you you sound so stoked when you say that. Like, yay, so rosters. <laughs> I think rosters are very interesting in sports. And way more interesting than anything that happens on the field, which may say a lot about me. But, you know, that's why football manager is a thing. Uh, so let's talk about the about David Ochoa first. Uh, David Ochoa, uh, some context here. If you haven't already seen, just go check Twitter. Uh, I've retweeted some things. Other people have talked plenty about this. Uh, this won't be hard to find. Uh, so David Ochoa basically came out And I'm going to read it directly. So allow me to pull up my tweet. Uh, He posted in his Instagram stories today. Uh, And, you know, that's a thing that that young people do is they post in stories. And I think we all do, too. Uh, But he's basically said uh, that he is not allowed to train with or play for RSL at the moment. Uh, and there's there's not a lot of insight as to the why, um, which is going to make this conversation a little interesting. Uh, so I just wanted to kind of start it there. Uh, what are you all thinking about what's going on? Uh, what like what's your visceral reaction to David Ochoa coming out saying they're not letting me play, they're not letting me train? Uh, and Trevor, let's uh, let's pitch it to you. Um, my mis- immediate visceral reaction. Um, it, it's the kind of thing like we can't, we kind of expected something like this. I feel like, right. We, we all have known that there's been an elephant in the room with David Ochoa and nobody's really addressed it. And David Ochoa hasn't been seen at training with RSL, hasn't been playing with RSL, isn't on the bench with RSL. So there's obviously something there. We haven't really had it spelled out for us by anybody. Um, but having 
somebody involved, um, David himself, come out and just say that? Like, that's the part of it that's like kind of to be expected. But what that means and the connotations behind it um, is, is bad. Like, we don't know exactly why he isn't allowed to train. Best we can figure um, based off of what we do know about the situation is it it could be contract related. Um, but it also could be like behavioral related. We know that um, players have spoken in the past about how he's not a great teammate at times. Um, we know that he's got his antics on the field. So maybe he's got antics off the field that are also a problem. But I, either way, I'm Colin's going to say it a lot more and a lot better, but it, it's a lose, lose, lose situation. Um, we should have a David Ochoa level player playing for the club. Um, if the club is freezing him out, that's bad. If David Ochoa is freezing himself out, that's bad. Um, if it's people getting in his ear, telling him that, um, you know, like a Carlos Salcedo situation where he's got family or friends or somebody telling him that he's too good for RSL and he needs to move on or whatever it is that they're telling him, like, that's also bad. There, there's none of this is good or looks good on anybody. There's nobody that comes out on top with this. Colin, you were directly invoked, so I'm curious what you think here. Yeah, um, I when I saw it, uh, I mean, I, I my initial reaction was there's no there's nothing to be surprised by here. Um, there's without ever having official confirmation, it was very clear as Trevor said that that's what was happening um, for whatever reason, whether or not the coaching staff had decided that um, David's head wasn't in the right place or. David had decided that he wasn't working well with the coaching staff or like whatever, whatever the decision was there. It's probably both. Right. I, I imagine that there's some aspects of both of that that are true. Um, this is, this is what has been obviously happening. I mean, it's, there's been game days where David Ochoa is not in the same city, right? Like they'll be playing at home and he's posted an Instagrams from like Bakersfield, California and stuff like that. And it's like very clear that he is a, not a part of the game day plan and hasn't been, for weeks and weeks um and it's i mean it's it's really too bad um because he's a very high quality player uh he's a, a very young goalkeeper who has great potential to um play at a very high level uh you know called up regularly for the Mexican national team um in the in the last little bit which is you know that's a high quality player uh and it looks like that's essentially what's going to happen. And he, he posted this on his Instagram, but you know, when is your contract up? He said, December. And that seems to be an indication that that's what he's waiting for. He's going to run out his contract and he's going to go somewhere else. Um, and, it, and it's really unfortunate. I think it looks bad for him because I think it, it, you know, like teams are going to reach out to RSL before they sign him. And they're like, well, what happened? Cause obviously something happened. Um, and I think that that might hurt him in his negotiations. I think it's bad for RSL. Uh, because you're losing a high quality player and you're not getting anything, right? You're losing several million dollars in transfer fees that you could put back into the squad to, you know, sign new players and and improve the depth and quality of this squad. Um, and I don't think it is particularly great for the coaching staff or front office from a player management standpoint. Like, I maybe David doesn't have a lot of friends in the locker room, but like part of your job as a coaching staff and a front office is to manage difficult personalities and to have it. I mean, there's nobody who's surprised that he's a difficult personality. I'm not surprised by it. Look at him on the field. Like he, he is 
you know, you you spend the time touting him as a villain, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, that really blew up on our face. And I, you know, like I'm sorry about that. That that is hard, but that's part of the club's job. The club's job and the coaching staff's job is to manage these players and these personalities. And it's a disaster. It, it's a it's a straight disaster for the club in the way that it looks like it's it's inevitably going to end, which is David leaving on a free. Um, and probably a lot of acrimony on every side, which is really too bad. So I'm curious there. So we don't think there's any coming back from this. Um, but if we rewind the clock a little bit, like what does it take for Real Salt Lake to be a selling club? And Ian, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. So, I, I mean, I think that that's kind of and I, I'm stealing this from someone on Twitter and I tried to panic and find this, but I couldn't find it. Um, you know, I think it really shows if you're an academy kid right now, you're looking at the situation and saying, I need, I'm in the wrong place, right? Like, this is not a good look for, you know, assuming that the team still has any idea that they want to be a selling club, assuming that that's still the goal in any, in any stretch of the imagination. You, you right now have a whole group of academy kids, including Axel Kai, just looking at this and going, I might not want to be at this club. Like if this is, if this is what happens now to Colin's point, I think a lot of this is created by David and that might be part of it. And maybe hopefully they're learning from that. But I just think that kind of overall it, it definitely hurts those prospects because we're the club is reaching a point where the players that are the players that are coming out of the Zion's bank Academy are going to start hitting the monarchs in the first team. And they're starting to hit the monarchs in the first team um, until recently, they're all coming from Casa Grande and we're starting to see the first wave of kids that are coming from locally from Utah into the first team and into the, into the monarchs. And I think it just looks bad for everyone. Uh, you know, maybe in the global market, they don't care that RSL handled the Ochoa situation poorly. But I definitely think from the academy side, those kids are going to be looking at that and their agents and their people that are involved are looking and going, what happened here and why did this happen? Yeah, it's a great reminder that these are 14-year-old kids that we're signing now, right? Uh, it's in the case of Axel Kai, and they're not all that young, but... But while there there may be a lot of truth to a lot of this being on David Ochoa's side, that's going to be hard for them to see, I think. Trevor, you look like you had something to say. Do you? Um, kind of. No, just to, to add on to that point. Um, it's something that looking at the club from like a 14-year-old's perspective and, and whether you want to join, um, it certainly doesn't look good. And, and I get that. But I think it's very easy for the club um to spin it and i mean they're going to spin it to the public and they're going to spin it to agents and they're going to spin it to you know any team that comes looking for ochoa i don't think it would be too difficult for them to spin it um to academy kids as well as like a look this is what a bad professional does don't be this guy um and how much truth there is in that like i i don't know and i don't really care that's kind of behind closed doors conversations that clubs have um but it it is a bad look and it is important to look at the impact it could have on on academy kids uh, we in the last two, three years i think two or three years uh, ever since we lost 
Sebastian Soto and Richie Ledesma and Taylor Booth, the club has clearly made a concerted effort to sign more academy kids um, earlier to, um, you know, deals. And whether that trend continues or not, I don't think is contingent on this David Ochoa situation, but it could certainly impact it. Um, and it could certainly impact those kids' decisions. So I do think that's something to keep an eye on uh, for sure. Well, and I, I do think, I, I do I do want to jump on one point that you made there. And I, I just, this is more me kvetching than anything, but you mentioned that the club is going to spin this. They're going to spin this to the fan base and they're going to spin this to the academy kids. At this point, we're what, six months into the season and they've had all that time to spin it and they haven't spun anything. We've gotten Ochoa's injured, Ochoa's out for personal reasons, Ochoa's out because of a coach's decision. And so it'll be interesting to see what them spinning it looks like. Uh, Well, I think this is a good transition point, and I'm going to write it in the footnotes here uh, to talk about Real Salt Lake's roster. We've talked about David Ochoa, and certainly we have five goalkeepers on the roster. Uh, And we've had a couple of players leave in the last two days. Uh, One is, of course, Everton Louise, who had a long, well, long, long, relatively speaking, to say David Ochoa. Uh, Had a a good career here for a little bit, uh, longer than at other clubs he'd been at, certainly, uh, but has now left on a permanent deal to SK Beveren in Belgium. Uh, And then Joni Menendez has left for Velez in Argentina uh, on a what's right now a six-month loan. Um, I don't believe it's been made public whether it can be extended. Those were certainly the rumors uh, heading into it. Uh, so so I'm curious, um, who's the bigger loss here? Is it Joni Menendez? Is it Everton Louise? Is it, I mean, it could be David Ochoa in this case, but I think we've talked about that one uh, exhaustively at this point. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious, uh, Colin, what do you think? I think the bigger, the biggest loss here is uh, RSL. I mean, it's, they paid a lot of money to get Joni Menendez. I mean, not a lot relatively, but you know, they, they paid an expensive transfer fee for RSL to bring in Joni Menendez. And I just don't really think we ever got to see what he had to offer this club. Um, you know, uh, he got a series of starts under uh, Freddie Juarez, um, in which he actually got some stable playing time. And as soon as Pablo Mastroni took the job, he clearly did not did not rate him. Does not did not think that he was a player that he wanted to play. And I even under Freddie, I don't think that Joni got to play the positions that he was really a natural in. Um, and I think it's really too bad because I think everybody had high hopes for him. We had. Uh, he showed flashes every once in a while that he could be a, a really high quality player. And we just de- never really got the opportunity to see it. It seems like a real missed opportunity. And um, it doesn't really, I would be surprised if RSL recoups what they paid for, paid for him back. Um, so it seems like overall, just like a, a waste of a transfer, which is really too bad. Uh, Cause I, I think everyone wanted him to be successful. We all wanted him to come in and tear it up. And I, we never saw it. And, Maybe the coaching staff never saw it in practice, but I can't help but feel like we didn't really get the opportunity to see what he really could do out there on the field because he just never got the extended time that he needed. Yeah, so he's not the first player, right, to have come in to this club uh, and not met either the coach's expectations or our expectations as fans you know, or, or something else, right, and left on a, a free transfer or a loan 
um, after coming in and us having high hopes, right? Uh, I think of Sam Johnson as one, as Alfredo Ortuño, Giramov uh, Sissin, you could argue. Uh, Trevor, who's your biggest miss of the last five years? Biggest miss of the last five years? That's not the question I was expecting, so I wasn't thinking about it. Um, I mean, You can answer or- a different question if you'd like. Ortuño is definitely up there. Um, yeah, probably Ortuño as uh, biggest miss him or Sam Johnson, but yeah, all, all these players, uh, Tony Dakovich is in the conversation as well as just players that we have signed. And he, he seems to represent some kind of disconnect between scouting and the GMs and the coaching staff of players that we're looking for players that we could sign players that we do sign and what the what the coaching staff actually wants out of a player. Tony Dakovich is the one that comes to mind as a player that we signed, um, thinking he would be a great signing, thinking he'd be a great player and would fit right in with the team. He already had a friend here um, and seemingly solved the problem. We needed a center back at the time. We got a center back. And then the coaching staff decides to move to a three man back line and puts this guy in a position that he's never played before. And, Then three or four months later, was it? He was gone after playing a couple of games and not having any kind of real impact. Seemingly um, kind of behind the scenes, there there was some uh, conversations about him just being unhappy with his role at the club and and based on what his expectations were coming in and what he was actually given to do. Um, But we've, we've seen this before, and this is exactly the situation that it seems like Menendez falls under is... Good player, great player, would do great for several teams. And at the time, seemed like exactly the kind of player we needed. We were trying to replace um, Rusnak or at least get like an attacking midfielder that we could use. And seems like he's a great option for that. Um, But then once it got down to the coaching staff to actually implement that, it just didn't work for whatever reason. Um, So it's unfortunate that it seems like that's a pattern with RSL and we just followed that exact pattern uh, with Johnny Menendez. Um, but again, at the same time, this could be an opportunity for him to go get some real playing time against good competition um, and maybe get some interest from other teams down in Argentina that we might be able to recoup some of that transfer fee that we paid and get him transferred out. He's still under contract with RSL for, I think, a year or two beyond the length of this loan. So we still control him. So if we're not going to play him, this is the right move to get him to a team that he ideally will be playing for and will be putting putting him in the shop window, so to speak, so that we can get something back on that transfer fee. Um, it'd be a shame if we lost him for free as well in two years after just wasting the signing. Trevor, realistically, do you think that there is a chance that Joni Menendez plays for RSL again? I think you would need to take a change in coaching staff. And so like three or four steps down the road, perhaps um, he's like I said, he's under contract for long enough that like, that's a realistic scenario. Um, And if he does go down to Argentina and he does play very well and RSL doesn't. And like I said, we have a coaching change, then maybe the new guy coming in can look at that as a player to build around or a player to put on his depth chart. And it seems like Pablo didn't do that. And I don't think anything's really going to change Pablo's mind at this point. He's had plenty of time with Johnny. So I think that's what it would take would be to a coaching change. So I'm going to, I'm going to take it with the Matt role for a minute and I'm going to say Matt's. 
Oh, yeah. What do you have to say about Everton? Oh, okay. So Everton was a player that I loved. That was a great point. He was a player. He was a player (laughs) that I loved for a couple years. Uh, He had not just like... he gets a lot of credit for, you know, for being the hard man. And I know Ian loves him for that. And we've talked about that. Um, not on this podcast, but in person in Slack. Um, but it's more than that for me. It's that like at his best, he was like a really exploratory midfielder uh, who would make like exciting runs, who would get involved in counterattacks, who had pace to do that and also found the right opportunities to do that. It wasn't a case of Marcelo Silva going on a marauding run, unwisely failing to get back, losing the ball. Uh, it was Everton Louise rushing forward, either pressing or like making a run or dribbling. And we haven't had players that do that for a long time. And it was really refreshing to see. It was weird that it came from a like a biting defensive midfielder. Um, but, you know, that... That was fun, and I loved it. Uh, but at the same time, like his his downfall was that his game was a very physical one. Like it was about his burst of pace, and yes, he had the mental acuity to back it up. But it was all kind of rooted in that physical thing. Uh, and when when he started to slide a little bit, I don't think there was ever any recovery from that. You know, and that's probably the biggest bummer for me is uh, that we probably could have got something for him a couple years ago, kind of at his peak. Um, but maybe maybe we didn't have to. Uh, maybe letting him kind of see out his time here was the right thing. I do think there's something weird about uh, about the Blitzer umbrella, um, but maybe that's a topic for another day. Now you continue the mat roll. All right, I'll continue the mat roll. So we've talked about the players who are leaving. Now we have uh, we have a, a roster going forward into the season. Do you anticipate any uh, open open question? Do you anticipate any changes to the roster? And where like identify your position in most need uh, for this roster going forward? Have you heard the good news about Gustavo Cuellar? That he won a tiny trophy. That I know he did. I know he won a tiny trophy. <laughs> Is there more good news? No, I just I just had to get a Quayar comment in just because I know how much Trevor loves talking about it. So, yeah, I don't think we can get around talking about Quayar. I mean, although I look at our roster, so I I broke down our roster on RSL Soapbox today, um, and and kind of pinpointed nineteen to twenty one players who form the core of our roster. I don't know that that's big enough in MLS, um, and I do think we need to make additions. Um, but I look at Quayar and I think like we have Nick Beasler and Scott Caldwell. He's obviously better than both of those uh, by a country mile, but we've got to change something there, right? Uh, we we don't need three to four defensive midfielders on this team. Uh, three, I think. Like you can keep Scott Caldwell or Nick Beasler as a backup option. I think that's okay, but I don't know that you need them both if you bring in a Quayar. Uh, but Quayar for me is the big target. Um, He's a smart player, it looks like. Obviously, I haven't seen him play a lot. I've watched a lot of highlights. I watched that Club World Cup game. Uh, and certainly, like, players are going to play to their their max, you, you would think, in a game like that. And that's not what we'd get game in, game out. 
but it was enough for me to be excited. And uh, Trevor hasn't heard the end of it. I have not. Trevor, what about you? Ian was right that this is my favorite topic to talk about. Um, basically, like at this point, Quayar, like it seems obvious that the team has been pursuing him for a very long time. Um, it's very obvious that he fills a position of need. The whole defensive midfielder situation going into the season at the end of last season, that roster spot was one that was talked about by everybody as a, an obvious need. Um, and I feel like we've gotten by um, with the defensive midfielders that we have. Um, there are, like you said, Nick Beasler and Scott Caldwell. Um, at times are good players and at times aren't, and but they're, they're wildly inconsistent and they're kind of bottom of the barrel uh, of the depth chart for RSL at that position. And the guys ahead of them are, are ahead of them, but not by like, leaps and bounds right it would be nice to make a massive improvement in that instead of just simply signing a i mean like another scott caldwell a good not great um defensive midfielder from somewhere else in mls which is what we did in the offseason that was our addressing it um it improved that position but like not enough and and quayar would be a significant uh investment in that position and it would be great. And that's about all I'm going to say about it until he's actually signed. Colin, I'm going to resume the map position. Assume the map position. There you go. Uh, and I'm going to turn it back on you. Uh, what's your your feeling on the biggest position of need for RSL? It's, it's hard to say uh, because one thing I feel like the depth of the squad is paper thin just everywhere. Um, I think that uh, the defensive midfield role is one for sure. That is uh that needs upgrading. Um, but I mean Jasper and Pablo Ruiz, Pablo Ruiz playing so well there right now have really kind of made that a, a less of an issue uh than it had been, probably that we were worried about going into the season. Um, the team doesn't look great when you take those guys out, right? Like when uh, against Colorado, we had Scott Caldwell and Jasper or Scott Caldwell come in and Nick Beasler come in and both Ruiz and uh Waffleson go out that it just didn't look good. It looked, it looked pretty bad. Um, so having an upgrade there would be huge. Um, cause you know, if anything happens to Jasper or Pablo, we're starting one of those two guys and I'm not really excited about our options there. Um, and then the other thing going, it, it's, it's super nice having Savarino who has brought a, a more goal scoring threat, but RSL still, still kind of a little lacking in a, in an out and out goal scorer week in week out. And I think that that would be the other thing that the, the squad really needs to improve uh, is at the forward position. They just need someone who can generate, create, and uh, you know, open up a game when it's really kind of tight. You know, like a game against Columbus, like a player who can really open up that that defense to take a, take a game from a draw to a win. And that's something that RSL is kind of lacking sometimes from the front. And um, I think I think would be an important place for them to to fortify do you all think we need a left back uh, I, I think collins makes a good point that we're paper thin at a lot of places and i think left back is another position of need but it's kind of low on the list of like impact positions um brody and herrera are not best in mls 
at either side of the field. Um, I don't think we've had a best in MLS left back for a, a very long time. We've kind of gotten by with a lot of players that are not great left backs and left back is kind of a position of, of weakness everywhere in the world. So it would be nice, but I, I think it's, we we need other positions more. It, it's like it, it, to use an analogy, it's like if we're building a banana split and we go, instead of looking at the banana and the ice cream first, we're deciding what sprinkles we want. That's the left back position. Like, let's focus on getting a banana. Let's focus on getting ice cream. Let's focus on getting chocolate and cherries. And then we'll worry about sprinkles after that. Cause Trevor, you can do that without a banana. Like, I don't, I don't get this idea that you need a banana. You can just have ice cream. It's okay. It's a don't banana split. Like a we- uh, no. We're making a it's banana split. Yeah, I, no. I'm with Trevor on this one. Don't don't try to turn this. <laughs> oh. uh, um, Ian, what do you think about the state of the roster? So, I want to touch on the left back thing real fast. I think the left back position matters when we have anyone in the forward in the attacking half of the field that will make runs in the box or can get on the ends of crosses. At this point, we do not have that, so it does not matter who the left back and right back are because they're literally just defenders, and any defender can play left back or right back. Um, you know, I've watched enough games to see balls just like roll through, um, and it's kind of uh, <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, a peek behind the commander real fast is we just had a guest randomly appear in the recording, so. <laughs> introduce yourself random guest random guest i, I gotta find my headphones hold on can, wait, can you, is there an echo no a little bit no you're good wait ian said a little bit yeah i just wanted to stress you out what's up well continue we'll ian, sorry. <laughs> so anyways uh that said i think that the answer is is there needs to be someone that can make a run in the box close space and get on the end of crosses. And we don't have that. We have a six foot three number nine that doesn't want to make runs in the box and doesn't want to get on the end of crosses. We've got a former U S men's national team. Number nine that doesn't want to make runs into the box. And is injured. Uh, yeah. And so it's kind of like until Dami comes back and just wants to put his head on the ball from the midfield, anyone can play left back or right back for this team. Uh, and we've seen that with Herrera, right? Herrera was arguably one of the best right backs in the league last year, led in assists or for a right back. I don't remember what the the asterisk was on that, but he did super well when he had someone to get on the end of those crosses. No one on the end of those crosses, though. It it doesn't matter what the left back or right backs are doing. It just doesn't. There's nothing for them to do. Kyle, what's your uh, position of need for this team? I'm sorry. I, I didn't think you guys would still be on. I just wanted to click the link and see what would happen. Uh, but I mean, it's pretty clear that we need a striker. I was just thinking, I mean, as you were talking, the asterisk on Aaron Herrera's uh, assist is that they were literally like all to Demir Krylock, <laughs> who, who isn't who isn't here. And I was thinking about like when you think when you ta- when you total up how many assists Aaron Herrera had last year, how many goals we had between Demir Krylock and Albert Rusnak. Like it's it's honestly kind of incredible that this team is scoring any goals like at all. Um, so yeah, I think it's obviously a goal scorer 
who isn't named Sergio Cordova. I've, I had so many thoughts I, I have saved for the regular off the crossbar, but I don't, I don't know. How long have you guys been recording for? 32 <laughs> minutes, 48 seconds. Okay. What is this? So this doesn't count as off the crossbar, right? No, this is a no, we're just doing a round table. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I'll save some stuff for because I mean I think we know how tomorrow's gonna go. Or today. I don't know when this is coming out. Uh, this will we, come out. we need someone who can score, man. And I uh I was thinking again about how like why we can't be one of those teams that just signs like a just one of these like floating MLS strikers that's good for like six to twelve goals a season. Like why we always have to have this like makeshift striker made out of duct tape that's like a winger but like oh we we're we've been told through like the venezuelan fa that he can play striker or we've got like demir krylock who's tall like he can play striker like there's always this thing like we why can't we just get one of these guys that's like kai kamara like why can't he just come in here we sign him for half the money that sergio cordova makes and he scores eight goals a season maybe like all these guys like Abobis, he's another good example of one of these players. There's a, there's just these guys that float around MLS teams that are good for goals, and we don't ever get those guys. So I don't know. Like, how many goals was Devin Sandoval scoring per year? And he couldn't even cut in MLS, but he was scoring more than Sergio Cordova was is currently. Well, he was somewhere between six and ten, but it looks like Matt's pulling it up. I, I mean, who did that? It's just it's isn't that just weird? And like, I know. Cray said on Twitter or whatever, like you could argue every team's looking for a for a number nine, and it's like there's like looking for a world class number nine, and there's just like looking for a guy that can score ten goals in a season, and that shouldn't be too much to ask for. Uh, so, Devin Sandoval did score between six and ten goals. I'm saying, man, in his he didn't, and he's not even in MLS <laughs> anymore. He like after RSL like could wasn't in MLS, and I have a hard time thinking that if we had. Devin Sandoval would be better up front right now than than Sergio Cordova. Like I'm sorry, like I'm sorry. Devin Sandoval was playing with arguably some worse players at times, but um, and he was still making it work. So like the league has continued to grow, and we still somehow don't have a striker that can that can score score a goal. So I don't know. I was reading. I was reading on Reddit too. People were having discussion about Sergio Cordova, and you you see the same things come up again. Like. Oh, you can tell he's got the skill for this. You can tell like all these things. I'm like, how, how can we tell this at this point? And Matt, you, you brought up some good points when you were on, uh, when you guys were on that other podcast and you guys were on Sundays with Ethan, um, you were talking about how, like, there are these moments where he gets into good positions. And like, I think that if, if, if he does have a skill, it's that he does get himself into good positions. And then it's like, that's where it ends. Um, and like, I saw someone else on there to say like, oh, he's so much clearly better than Yuramov Sissian. And I was like, I mean, is he like, as far as like rec goals, gold scoring record goes, he's not. <laughs> and the three, when you think about the three goals he scored for this team, like two of them were like, anyone would have scored that. So I don't know, man. I just, it's, it's so clear that we need a goal scorer and I don't know. Also, can I just, I, I'll shut up now. It's funny that I even joined and I'm talking right now. I kind of, I don't We're just know. Glad to have you. I'm so glad. To see, I miss you guys so much. Um, I, wow, what was I just going to say? Um, oh, yeah. When 
I, I, I keep thinking and I keep taking issue with uh, not not Alex Vehar, but his article was good. But he in, in his article, he taught he talked to John Kimball and Ethan Fall about signings. And John Kimball was like, we're not going to sign a messy type player. <laughs> and I was like, one, what does that mean? Like, what? how many players in the on the entire earth can be classified as a messy type player? Like, it's literally just like messy because that's you can't anyway. And I'm like, no one's asking for a messy type player at, to come to RSL sincerely. I don't know if John Kimball just doesn't know a soccer player <laughs> that, that he could name in that other than than Messi but it's like I I mean no one's asking for that but can we just commit to signing like you, you know that Jefferson Savarino guy we just signed can we commit to signing a Jefferson Savarino like player who plays striker like is that is the bar can the bar be that because he's really good and you can tell that he's better than most like everyone on our team so can we sign another guy cuz we're capable of signing someone like him can we sign someone like him that plays striker and that can score a effing goal <laughs> because I can't watch guys. I can't watch Sergio Cordova for another season. I I swear if he's starting next season, there's going to be hell to pay Trevor. That's a nice mic stand you got there, by the way. Thank you. It's definitely so, mine. I, and I paid a lot of money for it. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to take this back to the round table and say, uh, we'll go, we'll go one by one. Does RSL make a signing? Matt. Uh, I'm going to go. Yes. In the uh, summer window. We're talking about this in current the summer window open window. I'm guessing they won't play until September though, just because sure. that keeps happening. And for some reason, we're very slow to integrate new players despite having, you know, superb need, uh, but I'll go. Yes. And I think it'll probably be Quayar. Trevor. <sighs> I'm, I'm kind of tempted to say no. And just bring up the fact that we've got like, even now with the two guys leaving, I think we've still got like 35 roster positions filled. <laughs> Something like that, 34, 35. So like, I feel like there's got to be a few more moves out before we can like truly sign a new player. But I don't know. I'm sure with the, um, the way we've managed the roster so far this season and with a couple of the injuries that we've sustained, like I'm, I'm sure there's room in the roster for um, players to join. I hesitate to comment on the quality of those players, but I think Matt's exactly right. We're probably going to get a new signing um, and they're probably not going to play until September. Um, I would be willing to put money on that. They're not going to make a signing until, or that there's, there's a good to good, good to great chance that they don't make a signing until like the last week of the window. When is the window close? August. I think it's, and Yeah. Also, do I sound okay? I'm like, I'm just, I'm. You you're sound fine. great. I know. All right, all right, Kyle. Right. You, yes or no? Signing summer transfer window signing. Yeah, I think we will. Um, it might end up being another Cablon like type player where we get someone from a different Blitzer team because they're just sh- shuffling pieces around, um, and we get a guy who ostensibly plays for Real Salt Lake, but is only playing for the Monarchs for some reason, even though we don't have a Andrew Brody's our left back for some reason. So I think we will sign someone. Um, I, I mean, we did commit on this podcast without Matthew that Gustavo Cuellar was a guaranteed RSL top three of all time player. So 
I think he starts his legacy this this at the end of this summer. Um, he leads us into the playoffs. He becomes our starting forward, our starting striker, because that's what we do with our midfielders. We're going to be like, Esquilafelson <laughs> is simply too good to take off the field. Pablo Ruiz, who is going to be a late addition to the MLS All-Star game because uh, Drew C is going to get injured. Um, you know, we can't take those guys off. We're going to do the Demir Krylock style of play. <laughs> We're just going to play... Like Kawhi is what, like six one maybe? He could play striker. <laughs> I don't know that he's that tall. I'm gonna go ahead and just put this out there that if we only t- like a signing is a player from outside the Blitzer umbrella. I honestly if, if we bring in players I, I, from I'm inside sure. the Blitzer umbrella, I'm gonna say that that doesn't count as a new signing. I think so too because if it's really starting to just feel like it's just an accounting type of situation like i have a feeling we're gonna see a lot of these like guys that just are here for a little while like come on Koblan's loan was like two months his initial loan was his initial one and he'll probably get extended but like what's the reason for a two-month loan for a season that goes from march to like october that's a good question <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna chime in with my take please and i'm gonna say the answer is no no. Well, the answer the answer is yes. The answer is yes because Bobby Wood, Demir Kovalak, <laughs> they're coming back, and it's like a new sign-in, baby. Let's go. That's so absolutely awesome. not. That's so. We're awesome. not going to get into that conversation again, but absolutely not. I, I do wish not I was there that. for when you guys had that conversation. I loved. I was just like. I was I was riding a bike around the beach and I was just like this is I'm so angry I was pedaling so hard thinking about that that's so funny I I think we've got our transfer business all done and dusted when all when those injured guys come back and there will be just like new signings we, we should start a rumor that Elliot Fall is is like purposely injuring our players in order to <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, Elliot Fall is going out with a baseball bat and hitting guys in the parking lot. He's just, no, he's just he's just handing down like edicts from above. Like you cannot play this player until September, please. He's got I like, need this win. Yeah. I outrank you. You can't play Bobby Wood. Come up with whatever you want. And then what Bobby if, Wood comes back in September and he's a new signing. What if Elliot is like hiding in like the bushes at Zion's Bank Stadium with like a blow dart gun and it's got like muscle spasm <laughs> serum. And he's just shooting them in the Achilles or like the quad quad area and he's just taking them down. I could see it. Well, uh, on that note, I think it's uh, probably time we wrap up this roundtable. Uh, Kyle, thanks for hopping on. It was uh, nice to see you. If so you want to stick around, we're going to do another one. Talking yeah. about Atlanta, so you're welcome to stick. Are you recording another one of these? Yeah, a shorter one. Uh, and then uh, we, we should excuse Ian on this last question. Uh, it sounds like his dog won't stop puking. So that's oh, nice. not fun. <laughs> Hope so, your dog feels better, Ian. And uh, thanks for listening. Uh, as always, this has been RSL Soapbox. And uh, it's honestly off the crossbar plus Ian now. So that's nice. a, a great thing. We'd love to see it. Bye, everyone.